to The Content Lab, the weekly podcast for content marketers about the strategies and tools you need to create addictive content your audience will love. I'm your host, Liz Murphy, Impact's Director of Web and Interactive Content. Well, I'm very excited to welcome my guest today, Will Murphy, who is the CEO and founder of Message Path and also a co-Murphy. So I'm always, I, I'm biased toward Murphy's. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so welcome to the Content Lab. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, absolutely. So I know what you do and I know how valuable it is. But for the listeners at home, tell me a little bit about who you are and what is Message Path. So, yeah, my background is in uh, technology since I was 12, right? So I've worked in all different uh, corporate environments from being a founder, uh, working in small, medium, large-sized companies, working in technology and working in innovation. Uh, message path is interesting because uh, it's sort of a um, Grammarly or uh, it's in the vein of a Grammarly or a Hemingway where people try to augment their writing online uh, to improve the way they communicate. And uh, so what I discovered when we before we started the company years ago, I was sitting in a room and we were writing a press release as an example and uh, had marketing and brand and legal and a bunch of people in there and we were editing this document together. We weren't editing it for spelling and grammar. We were editing it for brand fit and how clear was the message to the customer and all these sort of um, heuristics around how do I write a good press release to the target customer from our company's brand. Um, and I realized at that point in time that we, had a, we haven't um, automated this yet, any sort of automated assistance, because we were sitting down and we had a grammar and spelling check. There's a bunch of different tools we can use to do that, but we didn't have anything to say, uh, you know, change this word or tweak this word, tweak this sentence in order to uh, both, uh, you know, to, to understand your brand. We were using human brains basically to look at all the legal risks, to look at the brand fit and to look at the clarity of message. Those were all totally human endeavors. And so th uh, that's why I felt like there was a gap in uh, augmenting human intelligence around that. And then, uh, so that's where we got Message Path from. That's what Message Path does. It's essentially an editor and it feels and looks like the current editors that everybody already uses. You don't have to learn anything new. It just has additional intelligence behind it to to help the clarity of message and help it be, you know, all these things that were in people's minds are now in the software. So this is why I was so excited to talk to you today for a couple of reasons. But the first one that comes to mind is, is that I am someone who's very passionate about reinforcing the idea to, to marketers, to business leaders, to whomever is putting a message out into the universe where quite frankly, they want somebody to buy something from them or they want to be persuasive in a particular way, um, that it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And I'm a big fan of those solutions like Grammarly and Hemingway, but those are purely, those really focus purely on the mechanics of, of what you're doing. And what I find fascinating about Message Path is it really, you, you gave it an interesting label, which was contextual intelligence. And to get more granular about it, it's about, you have this, you have the essential, you have the ability to essentially say, I want you to skim my writing and analyze it from a general business tone 
or a marketing tone. And then it's sales tone, support tone, press release, and web copy. And I found that absolutely fascinating because again, we have so many of these different tools that are augmenting what we do. And, and, and I wanted to talk to you today to get more in depth on this concept of it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Because you seem to have tapped in through this solution that you've created. You've obviously identified a problem where people don't understand you have to switch those contexts between marketing and sales and general business. And so I'd love to hear from you a little bit about how not only you realized that we needed to start looking at our tone that way, but that it required that differentiation between those different categories. Yeah, very great question. Um, so my journey, uh, you know, after I kind of got out of the press release thing, when, when I talked to the people and sort of the, the seed of the idea, um, I thought of it for years, right? So I went and helped launch another artificial intelligence company and a uh, blockchain company and did some other things in those uh, intervening years. A uh, couple different stories on how I, I came to that. One is uh, I, I moved to San Francisco. There was an event where I met uh, Gary Kasparov, which is he's one of the top chess players in the world. And we were talking about chess and artificial intelligence combined with chess. And one of the interesting things that came out of the conversation was, you know, chess um, had started defeating people. Right? So AI has started defeating people via chess, which is one of the milestones that we looked for when we were developing the technology around AI is, can it ever beat people at chess? And then, oh, the answer was yes. Um, he said an interesting thing, though. He said the the most challenging competitor is not an artificial intelligence. It's an artificial intelligence combined with a human. When you pair up, uh, when you're, when you're uh, playing chess against an AI, that's pretty challenging. But if you're, uh, if, you're, uh, if, you're, if you're competing against an AI that's teamed with the human brain, uh, that augmentation is actually more powerful. And I think we're going to see that a lot of, across a lot of our tool, tools, including writing. Um, so then I, what I, the next thing I did was, in order to build the first version of Message Path, is I went out and bought a bunch of business books, um, business writing. And uh, historically, when we built AI systems or any of these sort of systems, context is king. So content is king in general when you're talking about business opportunities. But uh, the other thing that's very interesting here is context is very important. Um, humans aren't always aware of all context. Uh, machines can be. And so I started looking uh, from a context standpoint because that's how we build more intelligent systems. We bring in context that humans just can't understand all the context at that point in time. So one of the pieces of context, for example, was um, subdividing out, like, how do you write a good sales uh, piece of communication versus marketing versus a press release? And I noticed that all of those had different rules uh, when I read all these books. What were some of the differences that surprised you? Um, you know, I wouldn't say, I don't know if it surprised me. I would say that I just didn't think about it before. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just one of those things where I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't sit down and really think about it in a focused way before. Uh, but uh, yeah, some of the ways that were interesting, uh, there are some commonalities, but I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, 
And again, it's probably because we all just have it. We all know these things. It's just that I don't know if anybody had sat down for a straight, you know, a bunch of hours in a row and kind of gone through this. But so, for example, if you're sending an email, there are certain words that may get you caught in a spam filter. That's kind of obvious. That's that shows up in some editors now. Uh, that's a very simple example. Another one that shows up that across different categories is how often you talk about yourself versus talk about the customer. Uh, we actually calculate the ratio of how much you're talking about yourself uh, versus them, uh, which is recommended in, in some of the best practices. Uh, and we kind of give you a warning. Um, the other thing is uh, like a sales email is another obvious example is your sales email should have a call to action in, uh, in practice and it should be short. Uh, it should be short, get to the point, and uh, have a call to action where you, you're asking for something at, at some point. Whereas in a support email, there's different things that we look for, including tone. So we look at the positivity or the negativity of the tone. Uh, and then there's lots of other um, little recommendations on um, things that you do or don't say, for example, in a support uh, piece of communication. Um, and I don't remember the exact phrases, but there are other phrases that we look for for in support, like, um, you know, we don't do that here or, um, you know, blaming the customer or some other little characteristics we look for in the text that are non-optimal. Um, and so what I found was interesting was um, there were there was this the, the there was this maturity of the browser extension occurring where. Um, you could put this thing that checks your communication um, in almost any text box online. So that really means that we can check things, whether you're sending a tweet or you're sending an email or you're sending, or you're in Zendesk, for example. And those are all contextual to what you're trying to accomplish at that moment in time. And so that's really the beginning of looking at context. You have a lot of different channels or paths that you're trying to communicate. Each of those paths has a different uh, characteristic. <clears throat> so for example, sending a sales versus support piece of communication, you may be in Zendesk in one or email in the other, those, those sorts of things. Uh, so yeah, I, I really just noticed it after I researched it and, and pulled out a bunch of different books. Um, and it, I felt like it was phase one. So phase one is sort of um, understanding the channel by which you're communicating and what your goal is, what we're going to do pretty quickly uh, in 2019 um, is try to match the brand of the company that's sending the communication. So for example, um, when we think about additional context, first we want to sort of optimize for what type of communication are you writing? Phase two is going to be matching your brand. So we're going to be adding administrative control. So if you have a team of writers and you want them to kind of live under the same brand umbrella, we're going to uh, be able to match the phrases and characteristics of a particular brand so that when you're sending out a sales or support or any of these or a biz dev email, et cetera, you can sort of match your brand as well. And then the, the long-term goal, it's going to take a little bit longer, is understanding the preferences of the receiver, the exact receiver. 
So um, we'll be profiling um, sort of the recipient and getting an understanding for the recipient's preference for brevity or uh, more information or the way the re recipient wants to be communicated with. And uh, we'll be bringing that intelligence in as well. And these are all things that you're still going to need a writer. They're still going to be need to be smart and creative. You still need the people part. <laughs> you still need the people to create the content. We, we actually don't do that. Um, but what we do is we give you that extra, um, you know, that extra set of information and feedback to help you uh, enhance yourself. Uh, it's just like all technology, right? So if you look at arti uh, artificial intelligence, you look at augmented reality, those kind of things where you're layering on this intelligent layer between the human doing something interesting and the world giving the human more information so that they're more effective. We're just doing that uh, from a, a, a writing perspective. So yeah, it, it, so that's kind of where I discovered it is sort of uh, going deep on all the different rules that I was creating across all the different categories of writing. And that's kind of where we started and what we've built so far. You know, what's interesting about that is that it reminds me a lot of what I coach people on when I teach them, teach them about content style guides. And I wrote a big ultimate guide to how to create a content style guide, which I'll link in the show notes. But essentially, when you think about a business, a business's brand, and you think about the style that they want to have in writing, it actually has two components. And one is static. One is the voice, which is the personality. It's the attributes someone should think of every single time they think of your brand. And then you have the tone, which actually scales depending on the context in which you are creating that content. And I've always found that it's a little bit challenging for people to wrap their brain about, around that concept, that your tone of voice changes, that you don't sound the same every single time you write, even if your personality that's expressed through that different tone of voice in different contexts still feels the same. Like you could still feel, you could still be friendly, warm, authoritative, et cetera. But in a sales context, you're right. You know, it should be more crisp. There should be fewer fluffy words. But if you're moving into more of a, you know, a thought leadership piece with an individual person's byline, then you can get, you know, expository, have the narratives and, and all of that good fluffy stuff. And then again, the same with, I think the fact that you brought up support is really critical too. Because I think when we think about how we write and the messages that we put out there. We really only think about it within the context of marketing and sales, but we've even seen it with HubSpot bringing support into kind of their, their stack of technology products and, and, and services. You know, it is equally important because that is another way that you are communicating with your customers and also creating more opportunities for them to continue to buy from you or to stay with you or to be brand loyalists. And, especially in the support scenario, I actually have a customer service background. And I remember watching sometimes when I was training people as a supervisor that they wouldn't really focus on how they were saying something. They would just be answering the question, fixing the problem as quickly as possible without creating that warmth or safety or understanding that a lot of these people are ser searching for in addition to their solution, if that makes any sense. Exactly. Yeah. I also have a customer uh, uh, service back support background, uh, and then moving into, uh, you know, the roles, my last few years of roles is really more of the uh, longer pieces and emails and those sorts of things and sales emails. 
but I think you're right. Our, our goal is really sort of um, digitizing some of those um, characteristics and assisting people when they're writing. The other thing I looked at, the thing you look at when you're doing a startup is size of market. And there's really a couple of different things that businesses do millions of times a day. Um, one is financial transactions. So you've got startups developing and it's well-developed and there's a ton of startups in the space around facilitating financial transactions. But the other piece that uh, companies send a, tons of, a ton of transactions, millions a day around the world is communication. Uh, and when you think about it from a brand and marketing perspective, every touch point with your customer matters. And it's important that we don't leave out customer support when we're talking about quality content. And uh, as we all know, um, a lot of these roles are time constrained. So one of the goals around trying to augment our writing and all those sorts of things is we're all stressed around time when we're writing. And um, the other thing that hopefully computers can do is help us out with that as well. So. Um, and like you said, bringing those guidelines, brand and voice guidelines across all customer communications is very interesting to me. And it's something that we can accomplish. Um, and I don't think it's people have gone that deep on this before. So I found it a very interesting area to, to approach for a, for a new technology solution. So here's my question to you. Um, I had someone bring this up to me yesterday and I was sort of shocked when I heard it. And initially my knee-jerk reaction was to say, no, no, that's not, that's not true at all. But then I thought about it and I wasn't sure. And I want to get your opinion on this. They asked me, you know, I know you love all these tools, you love tools, Liz, you love Hemingway, you love Grammarly, you love, uh, you know, I'm really starting to dive into message path and I really enjoy it. But then she said to me, you know, people are always preaching the gospel of being authentic and sounding like yourself. So how much are you really sounding like yourself if you're constantly pushing yourself through these augmentation filters that are, that are supported by technology? Do you feel that any of these types of products potentially undermine that type of authenticity? Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think that's a really good question. I think it's a question that we'll be asking ourselves as we develop these products. So I guess the first thing is I think these products will happen 100%. Uh, it's just one of those things like artificial intelligence or anything else that, you know, this is an important conversation to have while we're building them. Uh, they will be built. It's just a matter of sort of um, making sure we build them correctly by asking this particular question. This is probably the top question for this sort of product. Um, yeah, I think the... So I, I think there's a couple different things. I think when you're at a company, you're speaking for a brand, not just yourself. And this is sort of obvious when you, when you think about it, sort of there's a difference between the context of sending a personal email, personal text, and all those sorts of things in a communication style and representing a, a company, which is a group of people that are trying to standardize a little bit. And this is why we have brand guidelines is that you want to imbue the group in your communication. Uh, and so that already exists and that's exists for a while and that's sort of standard and known practice. Uh, and that's the reason I, I kind of like starting from the perspective of creating an editor and putting it out there. 
because I think an editor, we're not really telling you what to write. We're actually giving you recommendations that you don't have to take, but being aware of matching your brand or other things is going to be helpful. Um, the other thing we'll go deep on at some point is uh, industry characteristics, right? So um, understanding industry terms and, and those sorts of things are really useful. And when we're talking about training, right, especially from a customer support standpoint, you may have a customer support area with a reasonably high turnover rate. You may be stressed for time and not have all the ideal training that you want for everyone to match your brand. This just this just allows you to have a lot of capability for all the employees really quickly that you're, you're trying to train into them anyway via training classes or, you know, brand guidelines that you're publishing. Um, I think it's a positive move to move from multi hundred page brand guidelines that people read once and then forget and then try to communicate uh, versus taking those and digitizing those and giving feedback while people are trying to communicate. I do think there's a risk, especially in products that write for you. Um, and we don't do that yet, right? So there's a, a set of products coming out around artificial intelligence that try to do the writing. They try to write the entire customer support uh, message. They try to write the entire uh, content um, and I would say those are still really, really early. And, um, those are the ones I would probably look at a little closer to, to, to understand what they're doing. And is it, is it, does it feel human and does it uh, feel creative and all that at its core? I'm not clear on that yet, but yeah, we're, we're just really bringing, uh, for my perspective, um, on this particular tool, we're just bringing additional information for you to consider when you're writing. And so I'm not worried about that yet for our tool. We're not that, uh, we're not there where I, I feel like this is gonna uh, particularly have an impact on, uh, on uh, sort of the, the, either the quality or the, you know, the authenticity of the human writing. Um, yeah, I, I, we're not there yet. We're sort of augmenting human authenticity uh, and we're not, uh, stifling it. And I, I, that's a thing I would look out for in any of these tools though. Um, as we, as we develop them, that would be a concern that we would always look for. Uh, I'm not seeing it yet that I would have a concern yet. Yeah. I usually only see it really becoming problematic for people who become over-reliant upon the technology and then also don't learn from it. So for example, when I go, when I tell people about Grammarly, for instance, and, and I would say the same for MessagePath, you should never blindly accept any suggestion because ultimately it's a robot and in some cases it's not always correct, but also you need right. to take a look at why it is suggesting those things. And so what I found is that I end up having the technology poke me less about mistakes or suggestions the more I learn to either embrace the context or, you know, hey, don't put that comma there. That's not supposed to go there. And it allows me ultimately in the long run to be more authentic because it's really just there to nudge me in the right direction as opposed to right for me. And I always get very nervous, you know, not just from a job preservation perspective, but, you know, what it means in terms of thought leadership. You know, do we really want robots thinking for us to such a degree? 
but you know, there is, there is something to be said for, you know, the Washington Post, for example, has a robot reporter whose name I forget, but it was really cute and adorable because they always name them cute things. So we, you know, when they come to find us in the middle of the night and take over our civilization, we'll be like, oh, but his name is Herbert. So it's, okay. <laughs> <Exactly>. uh, <laughs> but you know, he would, that, that robot reporter was really doing stuff that was more, how would I put this? It, it, it's more transactional. It's more like reporting on information as, as opposed to providing a lot of context or, or analysis. Yeah. Everything um, that I've seen in this space, you're totally right. So far has been very scripted and transactional and sort of filling in the blanks and, and publishing something. Yeah. I think uh, the other thing I would say around the concern is there's a lot of sort of subconscious things that we as humans don't necessarily, especially under time constraints, can't analyze quickly. And that's so, for example, one thing we do is we do tone analysis across what you're writing. You may not realize because of your mood that day or you're tired or you're time constrained. There's a lot of things going on for humans. And it can kind of analyze tone and tell you, you know, what you're sort of subconsciously transmitting uh, before you before you finalize what you're writing. The other thing we can do is look for patterns that are successful and not successful that other people have written or not written um, that can kind of give you a tool to sort of improve the success of what you're writing that you really wouldn't have uh, known. Uh, and so, for example, um, talking about yourself versus talking about the customer more, you may not realize it when you're writing, uh, but we, you know, uh, that can be automatically computed and kind of give you information and feedback on, on those sorts of things and only applied in the proper contexts. Um, yeah. And like I said, there's, there's tons of rules and tons of patterns that humans aren't just going to, are, are not going to know. But the thing, uh, there's a lot of things that humans can do that computers cannot yet. So it's still um, going back to sort of the example, the Gary Kasparov example, combining the human and the human's creativity with a little bit of augmentation from the computer on the things it does good best is, uh, is the optimal way to do it right now. Yeah, you are seeing that a lot with different technologies that have come out recently. Like for example, um, I think I talked about it on the previous episode, when Forbes rolled out their birdie writer, which from an AI standpoint, all it's really trying to do is give you a rough draft. It's not trying to give you something that should be ready to publish. It's supposed to give you the raw materials to allow you to, like for writers and contributors, their time is best spent crafting and creating their narrative in a story, not necessarily going out and finding basic facts and figures. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And we're seeing that across all of the human augmentation technologies that are coming out now, um, where basically there are a lot of things that humans do better and there are places and roles for the, the technology to step in to help augment the human. And that's where everything works the best right now. And that's kind of where we're living. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, uh, Combining so right now we're sort of there's a lot of tools being built that are um, human augmentation uh, using technology, especially in text uh, Natural language processing and all those sorts of things where you're really taking the best of what computers can do and the best of what humans can do And uh, that's really the optimal spot right now for uh, 
for building the most successful content. I think really within, so if you think about message path and we talked about uh, different context and categories, so we're sort of, um, we may be the first editor that I've seen kind of readily available that has these different contexts where uh, we know the context of what you're writing and then we try to give you feedback based on that and then we're going to get more intelligent based on that. But um, really with hu human augmentation, um, I think there will be a point really in the next few years where if you're not using it, you're at a disadvantage. So there, there's a point where, you know, um, we can argue, well, humans can do better, and maybe with enough time and energy, that's true in, in some cases. But and with all of these sort of augmented uh, capabilities, um, not, ha not having it at some point will be such a disadvantage that you're going to need one of these tools uh, helping you out, maybe more, one or more of these sorts of tools augmenting your capabilities because you're going to be in this marketplace of, trying to build the best communication with your customers possible. And if your competitor is using augmentation and they understand the customer better and their brand better, and they're, you know, chopping the time in half for creating quality content and you're not, you, there's a disadvantage gap there that uh, really everybody starts moving towards uh, this augmented, these augmented capabilities over time. So I think that's that's another sort of trend that we're going to see. What were the most important lessons that your own tool has taught you about your writing? <laughs> well, it's probably a good reason for me to build it, right? Is that I I feel like I've got things to say, but I don't feel like I always have the best way to say it. So um, probably an ideal person to create such a tool. <laughs> I, is, I'm always um, unhappy with my own writing. And so uh, it takes a long time for me to write things because of that. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I would say um, the feedback it gives um, helps, helps with that. I've always, uh, but yeah, it's interesting because a lot, of, I think a lot of us are in that sort of situation where we may have a lot to say uh, and it takes us forever to say it just because we want to optimize it uh, in, in a way that, um, the the person reading uh it it's going to be you know m maximum clarity for the reader so uh yeah i think maybe my own uh my own concerns uh help move this forward <laughs> well i think that's totally true it, it's always funny to me when i coach people on content creation and writing i always have to remind them i you know i say you know all of these things you love that i've written started in a very terrible dark place <laughs> of horrible word choice and you know sections where i didn't know how how to write something i'd be like come back to this later blah 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 you know all of these different things but i think one of the most important things one can do to be a better content creator is to be aware of your weaknesses especially from a mechanic standpoint um like one of my personal hiccups that no matter how many times i try to focus on it or better at it i repeat words and i drop words so i in I repeat words in that I'll do that, that, but I'll also use the same phrase or the same uh, word twice correctly, but in the same paragraph, so it looks redundant. And then I also just drop words all the time because my brain moves too quickly. Mm -hmm. 
but you know, it, what I really liked about this product when I took it for a little bit of a test drive, I've been trying it out is that I was surprised, um, that how different marketing and sales writing is from support writing. And I know I keep coming back to that a little bit, but you know, right. one of the things that impact that we really focus on is we consider the concept of inbound, whether you're talking about marketing or leadership or hiring, however you apply that idea of being inboundy is to ultimately be really helpful. And so, for example, I may put out a piece of marketing content, but then when somebody comes back to me and has questions about it, I realize they actually ended up needing to put on more of a support mindset. You know, it's not a sales email. It's not a marketing email. It is a one-to-one -one connection where somebody has a question. Right. And it made me really think about the fact that we, we relegate this kind of support mindset, this, this customer or client helpfulness mindset to when somebody buys a product and something's broken with it, so they're emailing us or contacting us. But really, that support hat should be coming on much earlier. You know, anytime somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, I have a question, or hey, I really liked this thing you wrote, or hey, I disagree with it you need to be in a helpfulness standpoint. And I thought that was a fascinating thing that I don't pe think people think about enough in terms of switching context. That's but right. I did have one question. What made you decide that you wanted to carve out website copy from marketing? Sure, so uh, the marketing we found being used more for marketing email. So writing sort of a mid to long form marketing email uh, there were some different rules around spam capture, you know, uh, don't getting, so if you don't want your marketing email caught in spam, we check for those words and we don't check for that when you're writing, we don't check for this content's going to get caught in a spam filter when you're writing a web content for putting on your site. Uh, there were some other slight rules between, between those sorts of things. So that, that's the only difference there. Um, Right now, we're sort of early, so we're experimenting with different channels. So what we may find is that we, we detect and give feedback based on some different characteristics in the future. But we found, so far, we've found uh, if we find some slightly different rules, we've been splitting out. For example, press releases have very explicit rules uh, and guidelines for writing a press release that are not uh, part of marketing writing. And so we went and, and pulled the standard sort of PR, uh, uh, press release uh, writing standards and, and, and put those into the editor for that. So yeah, uh, that was the main thing is if we found slight differences so far, we're splitting those out into different contexts to see how people, if it's useful for people. So my last question is actually kind of a two-parter without either answer being, you should download Message Path and check it out. What is one thing someone could start doing today that would instantly make their content better? And is one, and one thing that they could stop doing that would make their content better? Uh, for starting to, do, to make their content better is thinking about the recipient more and uh, talking about the recipient more. I found that consistent across, uh, some of the rules in Message Path are standard across all these different categories. Uh, one that I found pretty interesting is um, talking about from the customer's perspective more. Now, this may not be true when you're writing a thought piece, so I'll, I'll separate, put that aside when you're writing, um, you know, a lengthy thought piece that you're putting on your blog. 
But when you're sort of communicating via sales or a biz dev, really thinking from the, the customer's standpoint, what do they want, what do they need, how do they want to be communicated with, and really talking about them a lot. Uh, some, sometimes we get so wrapped up in what we're trying to communicate and talk about ourselves and our product that we may spend just a ton of time coming in and saying, um, hey, this is why I'm awesome. Me, 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 me. And then you cap off a long email and then nobody reads it because really you sent somebody an email where you talked about yourself a lot. Uh, whereas you really want to turn that around and, and think about what, what am I solving for you and talk about you more in the email. So I, th I would think that would be one thing I would start. Stop. Um, the thing that's probably the most common, uh, and this is what these sorts of tools can help with, is brevity. Uh, stop writing such a lengthy, lengthy things. Uh, and again, this is very contextual. So it's, I love long form writing when you're expressing your thoughts. And uh, message path is, it's not for these sort of long think pieces. It's really more for writing short pieces of copy that you're putting on your site or sending an email and those sorts of things. But I would say that for, and the majority of business writing is in that category though. So the majority of business writing is not thought pieces. The majority of business writing uh, is really lives in millions of emails and Zendesk replies that happen every day, hundreds of millions across businesses. And brevity, I think, is the thing. So I would say stop, stop writing longer pieces and try to figure out how to, how to write shorter to the point uh, pieces of content and all of those other categories would be the other, would be the other thing. You know, you just brought up a, a final point that I think is really important to remember. You know, I think, you know, as, as much as I live and breathe in the kind of more marketing and sales space when it comes to content creation, you're absolutely right, especially for most businesses, especially if you're product focused, actually even if you're service focused because every account manager email that goes out to a client that could technically be considered a service email, um, you spend more time communicating on your support side. Right. Than in marketing and sales and there's not enough focus really put on that you know you spend so much time crafting and and strategizing around every single piece of sales or marketing collateral but when it comes to answering a question often people do it from the perspective of how can I get this person off my back right and you're not even thinking about how Every single time you communicate with a client, with a customer, with someone on LinkedIn, you know, you are sending a message about who your brand is and what they stand for. So it's really neat to see a product that's really bringing focus to that. That's not just about the business of writing, you know, and, that, and that's really important. Um, but yeah, so if somebody wants to learn more about you or about message path and maybe take that product for a, a test drive, how do they find you and how do they start learning more about message path? Yeah, messagepath.com. Everything is there. Um, you can contact me on there. You can check out the product. You can download the browser extension, which works in email and LinkedIn and all of these uh, ways that you communicate with your customer. Um, yeah, messagepath.com. Check it out. And how can people find you? Are you on Twitter or LinkedIn or yeah. what's your you best can... way to get in contact with my fellow Murphy? Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways. Follow me on Twitter. Will Murphy is my handle on Twitter. And then you can email me at will 
at messagepath.com. Will at messagepath.com or Will Murphy on Twitter. You must have been an early adopter to score Will Murphy on Twitter. I was very early on Twitter. I was, uh, I talked to Biz Stone, who's one of the founders, and I think he was saying like, oh yeah, you were a member before we even like had the company was incorporated. I think they were still ah. Odeo or whatever at the time. So, oh my yeah, gosh. A little bit, so, pretty early. Twitter OG there, a little yeah. Twitter OGness. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Will. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, for everybody who's interested in learning more about MessagePath, all you have to do is go to messagepath.com and otherwise I will talk to everybody next week.